Genesis chapter 18. Genesis chapter 18. And we're going to read from verse 16. Well, known passage of scripture. Uh, very relevant to the day in which we're living in. Genesis chapter 18, verse 16. Tonight we're going to, just after just looking at God's word for a few moments, we want to pray very uh, specifically tonight, just again, if I could ask us to uh, target our prayers, to pray for our nation, these nations, these islands at this time, particularly uh, as we know the laws that are in the, if you like, in the channels to be brought into our country, and uh, particularly that of uh, the abortion and also homosexual marriage. And uh, it's just in particular to pray as the Lord would lead us. And uh, I do believe that when we come to pray for this tonight, that the Lord will give us a special anointing to pray specifically into this area, to know his heart and his will. And I believe that's important for us, um, that we pray just with the burden of the Lord upon the meeting. And we just want to open our hearts to the Lord to lay hold of that meeting, lay hold of our hearts in prayer, to specifically pray. It's a very important time. But we know that the Lord will give us that anointing to pray effectively and to pray specifically tonight uh, against, yes, the powers of darkness, but also to pray for his will to be done and for God to undertake. And it's just important tonight. I believe this just within my own heart, just coming to this meeting and just in the last few days, an expectancy that God would would anoint us to pray effectively tonight and, and to really give us that anointing that it's not that we're trying to make something happen. That that I know there's times we, we must battle and we must, you know, come against if you like, but I believe if we just know God's will tonight and his heart, then I believe he's going to carry us in prayer and we'll be with each other in unity and as one tonight, but also just believe in the Lord together that we must pray for our nation and pray that God would help us tonight to know specifically what to pray, how to pray, but most importantly to pray with the anointing of the Holy Ghost. And I just want to encourage everyone you're, you are so important as a member of the body of Christ, as you have been given a measure, a gifting by the Holy Spirit. Every single person who's saved tonight has a vital part to play in prayer tonight. And I want to encourage you all, young and old, and maybe even you don't maybe pray out often, or you, maybe you've never prayed out before. And I want us to be mindful of that tonight, just as we come to prayer, that we uh, keep our prayers direct, um, if we can keep our prayers at a reasonable length and that we allow the Spirit of God to operate in the whole body. And so that takes a step of faith for everyone uh, because we, we want to pray and, and, and we want the Spirit of God to lift us up and to anoint. And I want to encourage you, if you have never prayed out before, it's so vital that you do. And it's so vital that you exercise the faith that God has given you. It may not be very long, but don't worry about the length. It's the heart. That's what's important. And it's not about so much the words, but it is just that heart and the Spirit of God. And I just believe tonight that when we exercise that faith and we take that step of faith, make ourselves vulnerable, that God will undertake for us. And he'll carry us in the place of prayer. We want to be carried, don't we? We want to feel the wind 
on our backs tonight than God helping us. So keep our prayers focused tonight and let us just look to him to help us. Just these few verses in Genesis chapter 18, uh, beginning to read uh, from verse 16. And again, it's a story we know well of Abraham's intercession for Sodom. It says, And the men rose up from thence and looked towards Sodom. And Abraham went, that's the angels, and Abraham went with them to bring them on the way. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I know that he will command his children and his household after him, and that they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring up Abraham that which he has spoken of him. And the Lord said, Because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it which is come unto me. And if not, I will know. And so it's important to see here that God measures wickedness. God sees the wickedness. And there are points uh, in, the, in the balance, if you like, and scales that only God knows. But when a nation tips that scale, when, when the cup is full, then in God's long suffering, he's not willing that any should perish. But then there's a time that God will exercise his judgment on a nation. We know that we're approaching the final judgment, but God will also bring judgment upon nations because of their sins. And so it says in verse 23, 22, sorry, and the men turned their faces from thence and went towards Sodom. And this is a key point really in this story, but Abraham stood yet before the Lord. So the men, the angels had left Abraham and they were sent on that mission to bring judgment to Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah, Sodom had no idea of what was about to visit them. The people were enjoying the pleasure of their sin. They were living just the way they wanted to live. But what was coming their way was the judgment of God. But we see Abraham where he stood. It says there that Abraham stood yet before the Lord. Now that's what we're going to do tonight. We are going to stand before the Lord. There is a wickedness. There is perversion. There is sin. There is every type of demonic activity. But tonight we have a great privilege that we can stand before the Almighty God. And Abraham drew near and said, Wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Peradventure there be fifty righteous within the city. Wilt thou also destroy and not spare the place for the fifty righteous that are therein? Not be far from thee to do after this manner, to slay the righteous with the wicked, and the righteous should be as the wicked, that be far from thee shall not the judge of all the earth do right. And the Lord said, If I find in Sodom fifty righteous within the city, then I will spur all the place for their sakes. Mercy of God. If I find fifty, I mean, there's a man standing before God, pleading, on the, on the mercy of God, Lord, if there's 50, would you spur this city? The Lord says, if there's 50, I'll spur that whole city. Then it says, and Abraham answered and said, Behold, now I have taken upon me to speak unto the Lord, which am but dust and ashes. And brothers and sisters, that's all we are. 
We're just but dust and ashes, but he's breathed into these dead beings the life of God. And we have a privilege tonight. Peradventure, verse 28, there shall lack five of the fifty righteous. Wilt thou destroy all the city for lack of five? And he said, if I find there forty and five, God says, I'll not destroy it. And he spake unto him yet again and said, Peradventure there shall be forty found there. And he said, I will not do it for forty's sake. And he said unto him, Oh, let not the Lord be angry. And I will speak peradventure. There shall thirty be found there. And he said, I will not do it if I find thirty there. And he said, Behold, now I have taken upon me to speak unto the Lord. Peradventure there be twenty found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for twenty's sake. And he said, Oh, let not the Lord be angry. And I will speak yet but this once, peradventure, ten shall be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for ten's sake. And the Lord went his way as soon as he had left communing with Abraham. And Abraham returned unto his place. This is a an indication to us, it shows us that we can come to the throne of grace tonight on the basis of the blood of the new covenant. We can plead before God for mercy, to cry before the Lord. We see the heart of God. He's not willing that any should perish. The cry that we should come with tonight is, Lord, have mercy upon our nation. We don't deserve it. But, Lord, would you show mercy to us? Sodom is a very important city um, in Scripture and the prophecy, of course. In Luke chapter 17, we often preach from this portion of Scripture because it is recorded as an indication of the coming of the Lord. And in Luke chapter 17, verse 28, it tells us clearly, and it's good to remind ourselves of the clarity, the clarity to which the Scripture reveals to us the days that will precede the very coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, or the days what they will be like. And the Lord says in Luke 17, 28, likewise also as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. What we see here is that God will not pour out his judgment or his wrath upon the righteous. The righteous will be delivered. The righteous will be raptured out of this broken, uh, sin-cursed world. But as it was in those days in Sodom, so shall it be. Now Ezekiel describes Sodom. And I want you to turn, if you could, to Ezekiel 16. Because it's mentioned often as an indication of when we come to where the cup is full. And the judgment is about to be poured out. Now I believe God judges the nations. And then there is the eternal judgment which we will escape because we have not been appointed under wrath, but thank God tonight we've been saved. He's taken our wrath for us. But Ezekiel 16 describes again Sodom. And I wonder, does this sound familiar? Ezekiel 16, verse 49. 
It says, Behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom. Now, just, I wonder, does this sound familiar? Pride, fullness of bread, abundance of idleness was in her and her daughters. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and the needy. They were haughty and they committed abomination before me. Therefore, I took them away as I saw good. Does the description of Sodom sound familiar? Is it not the world that we are in? Is it not the society in which we have been born into, which we have witnessed? I had a little article in Sodom. I don't know who the author is, but it certainly wasn't me. But I want to read one paragraph from it. It says, in Sodom there was amusement, there was partying, there was feasting, there was drunkenness. The vilest and the most brutal passions were unrestrained. And that word unrestrained marks our society. It's unrestrained. There is no depths to what man will go with sin in the world that we're living in. It is an unrestrained world. The people openly defied God, openly defied God and his law and delighted in deeds of violence. Though they had before them the example of the antediluvian, not simply the period before the flood, they had already a testimony of the judgment of God. Even though they had that, and they knew how the wrath of God had been manifested in their destruction, yet they followed the same course of wickedness. It's unrestrained. It's like the, the restraint has been lifted on our world. It's like, and not only is it like, but it is. It is that men are plunging into the depths of wickedness and sin and immorality beyond what we can even keep up with. Their thoughts are continually evil. They're fueled by every type of wickedness. And there's an unrestraint. In verse 22 of our reading, I pointed out already in Genesis 18, it just simply says this, and it's profound in the story of Abraham, Lot, and Sodom, but it's yet even more profound for us tonight because if you consider it for a moment, but Abraham... And I believe Abraham, we are the seed of Abraham through Christ. And we have the promises and the privileges of that blessing. But Abraham stood yet before the Lord. Do you know it's great to have a standing before the Lord tonight? It's great that we can come in this time in a place of prayer to stand in the gap for our nation, to plead before a God who is full of mercy and long-suffering. There is not one human on these islands that God wants to perish. God wants to save every human on these islands. He died for all men. And we have an awesome privilege tonight, greater even than that of Abraham, that we can come to the throne of God tonight and stand. And bring these nations and what is happening before an almighty God who says to Abraham, write down that if you even find 10 people 
elsewhere this city. And we just read about the wickedness and how it was unrestrained. We know there is a, a spiritual warfare. Ephesians chapter 6 tells us of that. And we'll read some verses there about our standing. Because, brothers and sisters, we're, we're going to stand in these days. Not in ourselves. Not in a, not in a, a just in a statement of faith. Or, but we're going to stand by the grace of God. And by the help of the Holy Spirit. And it's important that we do. But Ephesians 6 and 12 tells us that our battle, our wrestle, is not against the flesh and the blood. So it's important tonight when the radio station is going haywire with Brexit all day. Friends, that's not our battle. And that's the vacuum to get us all into that and, oh, what's going to happen? And Listen, they're going to do what they're going to do. But that's not our battle. We're against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of the world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. There is a real demonic movement in politics and in these nations at this time to bring these laws to pass. Let me tell you, it's demonic. It is satanic. It is from the very pit of hell that these laws are, are being attempted to be driven into this land. But our battle is not against the people. Our battle is in the spiritual realm. So we're instructed, verse 13, what are we to do? We are to take onto us the whole armor of God that we might be able to withstand in the evil day. Praise God, the church is going to stand. That's what we're told here. But we need to get the armor of God on by faith. And it says, having done all, is it an evil day? Can we collectively agree that it's evil? But let me tell you, brothers and sisters, we don't stand in our own strength, by our own effort, or our own ability. But we do stand in the finished work of the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing else, nothing else. We'll, we'll do it in these days. Nothing, brothers and sisters, but Christ and his cross. We stand in the complete work. But then we're instructed, verse 14, to stand, having your loins girt about with truth, the breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, take the shield of faith, whereby we can quench every fiery dart of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Pray always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And as for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador of bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak, but that ye also may know my affairs and how I do it. Take it as my beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord shall make known to you all things, whom I have sent unto you the same purpose, that ye may know our affairs and that ye might comfort your hearts. Peace be to the brethren and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with them 
with all them that love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen. We take the whole armor of God to stand. Abraham stood before the Lord. Just three simple things that I believe is absolutely crucial for us. Our purpose in this world in these days is a dark day, isn't it? Isn't it dark? But I tell you, brothers and sisters, what an opportunity to shine. What a time. What a time for us to shine. What a time for us as the believers, as followers of Christ who love the Lord. What a privilege in this hour to simply shine for the Lord Jesus Christ. All you need to shine is oil in your lamps. That's all we need, brothers and sisters. It's not complicated. All we need to shine is oil in our lamps, and that oil is the Holy Ghost. We don't need anything else to shine. We don't need any fake lighting. We just need the oil in our lamps, and may God keep us burning to the break of day. You know, the wee choruses are simple, but they're absolutely profound and absolutely theologically sound and true. Lord, give us oil in our lamps and keep us burning. And we need the oil of the Holy Ghost. We just simply need the oil. Is, is, it, is it complicated? Does anyone not get it tonight? We just need the oil to shine in such a dark world. In Philippians 2 and 13, it says these words. Philippians 2 and 13. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. God is doing a work in you. And he's doing a work in us, praise the Lord. Are you glad God's doing a work? He's doing a work in you. And this is what the work is, both to will and to do his good pleasure. It's all about him. Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst, right in the midst of it, in the midst of a crooked and a perverse nation. Is that what it is? We're right in the middle of it. We're in the middle of a crooked and a perverse nation. What does it say next? Among whom ye shine as lights in the world. We need the oil. Just need oil in our lamps. We just need, Lord, fill us with the oil. Fill us with the Holy Ghost. Lord, keep us burning. Let us shine the brighter as the dark days come and the dark clouds roll in. But Lord, give us oil in our lamps and keep us burning. Hold forth the word of life. This is it, brothers and sisters. This is it. What are they going to do? What are they going to do? Are they going to ban the Bible because what it teaches concerning marriage? Are they going to ban the Bible? Will the word of God be be confiscated from our homes? Will you be prosecuted for having a Bible? Brothers and sisters, we have hid the word of the Lord in our hearts that we may not sin against him. Speak forth the word of life. That is God's precious word. Thank God. Listen, thank God we have a Bible. I tell you, thank God we have a Bible that men died and gave their blood that you might have a Bible and I might have many Bibles like most of us probably do sitting on our shelves. 
Isn't it great to have the freedom to have a Bible tonight? To have a Bible, to look and turn the pages open and to read the Word of God and the liberty that we still have. But friends, hold forth the Word of life that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that we've not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Let me tell you, brothers and sisters, it's the only life to live. It's a life worth living. There's no other life that's worth living but the life for the Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing's in vain. Nothing's in vain. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 14, the Lord said, if you just turn over, we just need to shine in these days. Matthew 5, 14 says these words, you're the light of the world. You're a city that is set on a hill. It can't be hid. Do you know what he's saying? You'll never put this light out. You'll never beat the church of Jesus Christ. The devil will never triumph over it. Political systems, religious systems, kingdoms have risen up to try and crush the church of Jesus Christ. And every time it's rose triumphant because Jesus said he'll build his church, the gates of hell will never prevail against it. It rises in every nation when they've tried to crush it, when they've tried to persecute it, when they've tried to ban it, whatever they've tried to do, it rises again. And so we're the light of the world. It cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle, put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men. Lord, give us oil in our lamps. That's all we need, brothers and sisters. We need it for everything. We need it for every day. We need it to be a housewife. We need it to be a husband. We need it to be in the workplace. We need it to be in the streets. We need it to be in the school. We need it to be in church and out of church. We just need the oil in our lamps. We need to shine for Jesus the more as the day approaches. We have a privilege. Not only are we to shine, but we have a privilege. What a privilege we have in this day. Abraham stood before the Lord. Two angels were marching towards Sodom on a mission to destroy a city. And Abraham stood before the Lord. Every Christian in this room, you have a standing before the Lord. What a privilege. Something we should not take lightly. Something that we should not uh, just pass by very easily but you have a standing before the Lord. We have an access by the Spirit of God to the Father. Now that is an awesome thing. It is something we know theologically. It is something that we often know in our head knowledge. But the reality of it quickened to us by the Spirit in a nation that's turned from God that this we prayer meeting has access to the Father. That is an awesome thing. In Ephesians 2 and 18, it says, For through him we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. Now therefore ye are no more strangers, foreigners, fellow citizens, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. We're built upon the foundations of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ himself, the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed groweth, Unto a holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together.
for a habitation of God through the Spirit. What, what a revelation. Now God, anoint us to see it. Anoint us to pray it. Bible says that we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of Jesus Christ. We have boldness and we have access with confidence. We have a confidence tonight by the faith of him. We have a confidence to come. Our Christian duty is to shine, use our access and our privilege. And just like Abraham is to stand yet before the Lord and plead for mercy. To plead for mercy. In Romans 5, I'll close with this. It says these words. Romans 5 and verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith. Isn't it great to be justified? Isn't it wonderful to be justified tonight? Isn't it amazing that just are going to live by faith? You have a perfect standing before an almighty God tonight. As though you have never sinned. That's what that means. What a standing. What a standing. We are justified. It's all in Christ. We have peace with God. The world don't have this peace. They don't have this peace. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Wonder could we praise him tonight? We have peace through our Lord Jesus Christ. By whom also, by this Jesus, we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. What a standing. Do you see it? Do you grasp it? Do we understand it? That through him tonight we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Church, what a standing we have. Shine. Use the privilege of our access and let us stand before this almighty God and say, God, tonight, have mercy. We plead for mercy for our nation. Can I encourage us? As we pray tonight, as we come to pray, let us use the great privilege that we have. Everyone in this room, I do plead with those that maybe haven't prayed out before or very rarely pray out. I do ask you tonight, again, as the Spirit gives utterance and moves us tonight, to use the gift that God has given you. Use the privilege and the access that God has granted to you to come before the throne of grace tonight, that we'd find mercy in a time, isn't a great need? But he's greater than our greatest need. What a saviour. It's all through Jesus tonight. Let's come before him in prayer. wonder could we stand as we pray and just come before him in prayer tonight.